All right. Why don't we begin? Why don't we begin? Um, I know today we're going to continue on with Galatians chapter four, verses eight to probably fifteen. But uh, uh, we're getting we're getting close to um, being done here. I know um, a couple more chapters here, but uh, definitely a good um, good journey so far. Uh, why don't we Why don't we begin with a word of prayer? And dear, dearly Father, O oh Lord. I thank you for turning us and guiding us to your word. Lord, defend us uh, from, uh, from our uh, arch enemy, uh, the evil foe. Uh, continue to lead us by this very light as we continue to tread uh, faithfully in this world. Uh, bless us by your word. And may your word guide us to the comforting work of Christ and the free gift that he gives to us in his work upon the cross. Bless us, O Lord, this night. And um, as we study... Uh, may this word uh, dwell within us as you continue to guide us um, in the wisdom and faith. Lord, for all these things we're thankful. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right. Uh, so kicking in here. Sorry, Dave, about the uh, That's okay. early birthday greeting. Yeah, that was your <laughs> birthday greeting. <laughs> oh, I know we don't want to accelerate those. I know uh, we uh, like to take our time with every year. Take our time. Run yeah, hurry. Not in a hurry. That's right. I, I know I'm only forty, but man, I am not in a hurry either. All right, uh, uh, verse, verse, verse eight. If someone could read that for me, I got it. Formerly, when you did not know God, you were slaves to those who, by nature, are not gods. Okay, so right here. Now, to give you a fresh start of what this is about, uh, we very well know that uh, when we speak of uh, St. Paul and what his, what is his concern? What is his concern? What is his main concern here? Simply that the Galatians are turning away from, from the teachings that Paul has given to them, and that is of the gospel, right? Uh, you know, I always say, uh, you know, the blessing about Lutheranism is that it truly is the gospel. Uh, it truly points to Christ alone. Um, and I can never turn away from that. Like I can never have the works that somehow cleanse my conscience or the works that prove something, that whole, that whole train of, Faith, I, I could never really ever go back to because once you know Christ alone, there your faith depends on Christ alone, right? And uh, for the for Paul, his concern is what he is showing them their former life. He is giving them a retrospect, kind of a rewind of what they were once were in, and that is of what you, formerly when you did not know God. You were enslaved to those that by nature are not God. So, um, so St. Paul just was speaking about in chapter 4 about being heirs, inheritors, the adoption of grace, right? All these things. But now, if you turn away from God, what is the result? He shows them their former ways, and that is enslavement, right? The question is, what is the danger of false teaching? Why is false teaching so tragic? Anyone, quickly. Takes you away from the truth. 
And when we're taken away from you're, li you're living a lie. You're living a lie or learning a lie. So what does false teaching do at the end of the day? What's the aim of false teaching? Takes you away from God. It, it destroys you, right? It can destroy you. Uh, false teaching is, I think it's, it's easy to say, well, you know, they believe in God too. And we just kind of leave it there. But we really have to, you know, really, as St. Paul is doing right here, he's really fleshing out what they were dealing with in their former self. That if you believe in false gods, you are enslaved by them. That you are bound. And why would anyone want to go back to that life? Right? Why would anyone want to be bound in what they formerly knew? Right? When you hear the gospel, there is, I don't know, there is, there is nothing else. Right? I mean, there is no additive that can ever like compared to what the gospel has given to us, right? It's, it's only the gospel. We hear the gospel, receive the gospel. And formerly our old new, you know, the old is gone, the new has come, we are a new creation. That's the restoration, right? The word, like how could we ever turn back uh, to our former ways? Because we know what the result is when we do, right? And St. Paul is concerned because he sees it right before his eyes. They are falling to the false teaching uh, that is uh, in their midst. And he is very concerned because he knows how tragic and how dangerous false teaching is, right? So I, I guess my, I, I told the question this morning uh, to the class was, how do you know false teaching? How, how can you discern false teaching? What's the answer to that? That's not biblical to me, then it would be false teaching. If I can't find it in the Bible, well, or the writings of the early church fathers, then to me it would be false teaching. Right, so if it's not written. Yeah, so, but, but you have a point there, right? If it's, if it's not in the Bible, but again, what is the importance of Bible study? So Dude, you're familiar you. with what it says. That's right, to know what it says, right? To study and to know what it says. Now, if we don't study the Bible, then how do we know if it's false teaching or not? We wouldn't. We would, we would just listen to the false teachers and we might think that's accurate if we don't know what's actually in the Bible. And we would go along with it as if it's the truth, right? Right, so, right. Or, so. or we could have mis, uh, misinterpretations in our mind of what something means and we need clarification and, and to be brought back to to the truth as well exactly, exactly i mean it might not even be somebody that falsely told us we might just be doing it ourselves that's true yeah. that's right good point or, um, even if, or if a bible verse like a lot of things that happen too bible verses will be taken out of context but if you read what the verses that come before and after, it puts a whole different light. And I know people like to just pick and choose sometimes and mention verses, but then they're out of context and it's not saying what they think it's saying. They wanted to say what they wanted. I mean, they wanted to say what they think it says rather than what it really says, right? Okay. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I think in so many, you, you, you guys listed definitely a lot of possibilities of, of the dangers of false teaching because at the end of the day, I always tell 
you know, I always tell you guys, I should, do I always tell you this? I don't know if I do, <laughs> but, but, you know, the health of a congregation is, is the study of the Bible. Does that make sense? The, the health of a congregation at the end of the day is for people to study the Bible. And that's why we have Bible studies. So it's always my prayer for our church here. I know um, it's been literally three years since I've been here, but almost literally. No, I think literally. I don't know if it's literally to the day, but I don't remember. I could look on my, it's my little uh, certificate thing. But I, <laughs> I, uh, but I know that that's my prayer for our church is that we continue to grow. How? By studying God's word. Now, is, a, is a coming to church important? Of course, to receive the gifts, right? But to study the Bible, that is for Bible study, right? Uh, we don't have Bible study sermons per se. We have law gospel sermons. Uh, but in that study of the Bible, that is where the health of the church is. So, you know, as I always tell, um, you know, that, that was one of the questions I asked uh, when we were in the call process. I asked how many people come to Bible study. That's one question I asked because that determines a lot of times where people are at in their biblical knowledge rather than just being Sunday go on with my life, check in, yeah. go on with my life, and really have that because in this case, it's very important, right? Oh, so what if that, I'm not going to name names, right? <laughs> but if that person on TV said that, I mean, that's true, right? I'm like, well, is it? How do you gauge that? Again, it's by the study of God's word, right? To discern and decipher what is true. Because we know the danger of when we're falling down the rabbit hole of false teaching, we are falling down the rabbit hole of possible destruction, right? Um, and, um, you know, that is the danger, you guys. So Bible study is so important in a sense where we are digging. And, you know, as I said, uh, I know tomorrow we're starting that. What does this mean? But even as a church together, I think studying the word together is so important because we're walking together in that word as a family, as a body of Christ. And that's what we do Wednesdays. And tomorrow I'm, I'm very, um, you know, I get my whiteboard, my whiteboard out again and I go nuts with the dry erase. It's been a while, me and my dry erase. We, uh, we've been long lost friends. I missed him. But uh, we're back tomorrow. So I get to scribble. Anyways, um, uh, that'll be fun. But anyway, so this is the, this is the, uh, the, the fear, uh, the, 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 the concern that Paul has for the people that he preached to, okay? Uh, evening, Don. Good to see you. Evening, Ken. Thank you for joining in. Hello. Uh, well, uh, verse 9, if someone can read that. I could do that. But now that you have come to know God, or rather to be known by God, how can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world whose slaves you want to be once more? <sighs> Such good words. But now that you have come to know God, or rather, right, to be known by God. What does that mean? Well, everybody, want, everybody wants God to call you by name, right? Obviously, especially when you pass on. You know, once, once you reach heaven, you want God to say, you know. But the question is, Sheldon, and to everyone, how... How are you known by God? And this known by God reference is more of basing it or pointing to the theme of relationship, right? The relationship with God. How, how do you know God or how are you known by him? How do you define 
the relationship with God? And I know if you ask that question to anyone down the street, you will probably get how many answers? <laughs> An infinite amount of different explanations, right? But how do you define the relationship with God? To be known by God. What does that mean? Anyone? To be known by God. Through baptism, you've now become God's child and he is now your father. That's right. You're always the bullseyes with those answers, Cecily. She nailed it. I was going to have a B then because, or a C. Oh. No, no. There's many other I'll, bullseyes. I mean, there's other I'll bullseyes too. Ahead. There's enough spaces on that arrow. The boom, 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 you know, on the arrow. I'll mute her, Pastor. I'll go ahead and mute her for the next 15 minutes. Oh, no, no. That's, <laughs> I'll that's, take care uh, of that. We need her. We need her. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, she no, makes but, me look bad, though. Oh, no. The wife <laughs> always makes us stronger. I, uh, I know my no, wife no. is listening. Good so call. I, good, I, answer. But, <laughs> good answer. But she makes us, our wives make us stronger. That's for sure. Um, right. uh, but, uh, but, yeah, how, you know, fear not, Zoe's, a confirmation uh, verse, uh, Isaiah 43, 1. Uh, Fear not, I've, uh, I've redeemed you. I've called you by name and you are mine, right? Uh, and that name is, as Cecily said, baptism. But I, I think when we talk about known by God, this is kind of that. Well, he knows our every hair. He created us. He yes. Every, it's an intimate knowing. He knows us. Yes. Intimately. Um, you know, Marjorie said that this morning too. So you and Marjorie could say, you could talk about that. Oh, we said the same thing, but, uh, <laughs> but that's right. But in this context, yes, he knit us in the womb, right? He knew us as he knit us in the womb. But in this context, why do you think he is saying this? Because their way to know God by the false teaching is what? By the law, right? They were teaching that the law of Moses, circumcision, all these laws would save them. Now, to be known by God is to do these laws. And St. Paul is saying, no, your relationship with God is credited by God's, by Christ's merits upon the cross, his bloodshed for them. This is solely based on what God has done. Defining the relationship with God is all that God has done. And I think a lot of times people will do the, they'll do the opposite in a sense where, um, I give my life to the Lord. I commit my life to the Lord. Um, you know, all this I, 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 rather than, well, um, uh, God is made known to me by, by what he has done for me, right? The subject becomes outside of ourselves. It becomes our Lord. It becomes Christ. And when we talk about known by God, if you know that God is working completely in your life, that he is bringing you to the waters of baptism, that he has saved you by his blood through his very own death as you were dead in sin, adopted into his grace. We've talked about that earlier in, in uh, verse, uh, verse five. Uh, we very well know it's not a springboard. It's not a feeling. It's not a heartwarming sensation or aura of any type that we, we are rising and climbing to God. Rather, he is making himself known to us by his very word. And knowing that, and knowing that it needs to be that way because of our sin and the fall and being dead in sin, like Lazarus, we need to be made alive. Like St. Paul, he needed to be made alive on that Damascus road. And very well, uh, here we see what? That um, how can you turn? These elemental principles of the world are the, the teachings of the Judaizers, you know, are the pagan 
background that they all had as Gentiles. And, um, you know, when we talk about knowing the gospel, what else, what else is there when it's outside of yourself, right? That's how unique the gospel is. It's for you. It's God to man for you. And this is, I think, uh, what we talk about Paul's concern. And you would probably have a concern like Paul too. Like, I told you the gospel. You believed. And now you're turning away from the one thing that has set you free. The only thing, Christ, that has set you free. Right? And whatever is not Christ, whatever is not Christ is what? Weak and worthless. Simple as that. Right? Because no one could do what Christ does. Why is he worthy? Why is he strong? Because he conquers the grave by his resurrection. And here we see right here in verse 9 that he is telling them, why are you going back to those false ways? They are beneficial. They have no benefit at all. And that is the danger of false teaching. Right? Uh, We live in a world right now, friends, um, where even Christian churches are openly saying they don't believe in the Bible. They don't believe in parts of the Bible. Now, that our reaction shouldn't be necessarily anger, right? But it should be like St. Paul, great concern and worry for these people who are actually taking this as truth. Because whatever is false, wolves in sheep's clothing, it can destroy. And that is the danger to which we are going back into enslavement, right? And why would you want to be bound by sin yet again? Works do not save. Jesus saves. Why are you going back? Paraphrasing what St. Paul is saying here, right? Um, And that is the danger. All right. Oh, a Luther quote of the day. Um, I want you to listen to this because... I think this really, uh, this really coins in a more subtle danger for all of us. Now, false teaching is one thing. I think for all of us, we're okay, false teaching, I get it, right? I get it. But this is, a, I, this is, when I read this, I was like, wow, how relevant this is today, even though it's like 500 years ago. Time doesn't change, does it? Anyways, he says right here for the Christian, listen up. For even devout people do not consider enough how precious and how necessary a treasure the true knowledge of Christ is. Therefore, they do not work with as much care and diligence as they should to attain and to keep it sure and firm. Besides, a majority of those who hear the word are not uh, a disciple by the cross. They do not struggle with sin, death, and the devil but they live smugly without any conflict. Because such people are not armed with the word of God against the wiles of the devil, they are not disciples, uh, they're not, I think it's disciplined, to be put to the test by temptations. Therefore, they never experience the application of the power of the word either. My question is, what is the result? To be sure, they follow present-day theologians and are persuaded by their words that they believe correctly in the matter of justification. But when these have departed and when the wolves come in sheep's clothing, the same thing will happen to these men that happened to the Galatians. 
Namely, they will be seduced and overthrown quickly and easily. Now, why do I give you this quote? I know it's super long. Hopefully you followed along. But I think this is the subtlety of the danger for us Christians is what? Uh, when we hear the word of God, I think there's one way to see it as, you know, there is that connecting the word spiritually to our lives. That when we're in the word, we enter into a whole totally different realm of things in a sense where we see the spiritual battle at hand. And in that spiritual battle, we are equipped with the words of Christ, knowing that we have the victory of the cross, the gospel, right? That he is the breastplate, the, the belt, you know, the sword, the helmet, all these things, armor of God stuff, right? But, um, you know, if we're just kind of simply spinning the wheels and just kind of checking off the box and, and going through the motions, there we will find ourselves inevitably with smug, with, with living smugly without any conflict. Now, there is conflict in our lives, but how we deal with them in, is simply on the surface, right? We just kind of deal, I got to metaphorically band-aid the situation in any which way rather than seeing what is really happening. I don't know if you know what I mean by that, but when we're in the word, trust me, you'll, <laughs> there is that spiritual battle going on, isn't there? Uh, the devil is there trying to, uh, to, to, uh, to tempt and, and, and to tear you away. A lot of times, I think, to discern that, a lot of people uh, might just simply live on the surface as if it's just a Band-Aid type situation where we're just Band-Aiding and, and covering up by all these things things uh, rather than when we're really digging into the word, seeing what is really happening and seeing how we ought to proceed by that very word of God. And this is, I think, where St. Paul or where Luther is really discussing for us, I think very applicable, the subtle dangers of just living life, you know, uh, by the way of the flesh, by the way of the world, by the surface uh, rather than uh, really digging in, equipped by the word, and really uh, seeing what truly is ailing us by the wiles of the devil, and at the same time seeing the answer of Christ and clinging to Christ, right, for all things. Um, and for these Galatians, what was their issue? That Christ wasn't enough, right? If Christ was enough, there would be no turning away, right? Uh, 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 there would be no law of Moses justification, law that saves works, right? Law that saves them and uh, uh, circumcision, all these things. They wouldn't be mixed up in that. And that's the danger of false teaching is that uh, we turn away uh, from the word of God. And therefore, as Luther says, we are seduced um, and we are overthrown quickly and easily. Right? So that's why earlier I said about Bible study, how important it is to be in the Word. Because soon enough, we're believing our own thing. And when we start believing our own thing, we're concocting a different God. And when we're concocting a different God, then we have a different faith, if it's not in the Word. Right? We're, 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 we're seduced by all the, all the other teachings, the wolves in sheep's clothing. And that's why Bible study is so important, to be in it together. Right? Um, but again, you know, if someone could read 1 Timothy 1.8 for me real quick. 1 Timothy 1.8. 1 
I've got it. Now we know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully, understanding this, that the law is not laid down for, for the law just but for the lawless and, and disobedient, but for the ungodly and sinners, for the unholy and profane, for those who strike their fathers and mothers, for murderers. Have I gone too far? Probably, but it's okay. <laughs> Boy, they really uh, no, that was good. Uh, but yeah, I mean, again, you know, when we talk about the law, we know that the law is good. It does a lot of good things, right? Uh, I know like, um, you know, with the government, right? Uh, Romans 13, they, you know, they, they have a bunch of laws. Why? To protect us, to guard us, and, and to impede those who are going to break the law, right? To protect the love and service of neighbor, right? So the laws are good in a sense of one, two, and three, first, second, and third use. Um, uh, but at the end of the day, uh, uh, you know, the law does show us our sin, but yet it points us to Christ. And um, I think this is where uh, we need to really decipher what the law is. And, and we can't be afraid of the law. We're not hating the law, right? The law is good. It's good in so many different ways. In terms of justification, no, right? But in terms of diagnosing our sin for what it is, for guiding us as Christians, yes, right? For giving order to the world, of course, the law is written on everyone's heart, whether they know it or not, the conscience is there, right? That's why they run when they rob a bank, right? They run away because they know there's a law, right? Uh, so anyways, this is, uh, I miss Ruth, by the way. We, me and her are the bank robbers. We don't talk about that anymore. It's been a while. But um, <laughs> she's doing good, by the way. Anyways, uh, but anyways, verse 10, verse 10, if we could read that, verse 10 and 11. I can do that. Okay. You, you observe days and months and seasons and years. I am afraid I have labored over you in vain. All right. So, so now they were, he, he was seeing what they were doing. I mean, from the pagan background to uh, the, the calendar of worshiping um, all these uh, false gods and even the emperor, right? All these things that were being mixed up in the Galatians. Um, and now as converts, I mean, again, that was kind of their background. But now as converts, you see how they're adhering to the customs of the law in hopes of, again, the law that is going to save them. And now, again, this is going from Abba Father, right? In verse 6, now turning to their own gods in verse 11, what does St. Paul say? I am afraid I may have labored over you in vain. What does this mean? I, I think uh, Marjorie brought up a good point this morning um, that it's not, I think she was saying that, well, St. Paul is, uh, he is wondering if he did good or if it was worth it, right? And um, it, it's always worth it, right? To tell the gospel and to proclaim the gospel. But I think here, it's more so that his concern is not that he, the, the validity of what he was saying or the power of the proclamation of Christ, but rather he saw that he was more concerned with how they're turning away, simply turning away, that they were turning away from the word of God. And uh, I, I think this is a great, a great 
fear for St. Paul as he is afraid. Um, and that's the depth of his worry here. Do you see it? This is not just like, oh, you guys, you'll figure it out. No, he is, he is definitely concerned because what? He loves them. You know, when you love someone, Sheldon, right? You tell them the truth. And you of all people would tell the truth because I know you. And that's why I find you so great is that you'll just tell the truth because that's what it is because you love and care for them, right? And uh, this is what St. Paul's doing. He's not, he's not, oh, whatever, you know, I'll just move on. No, he, there is a great concern for their spiritual welfare and he loves them and cares for them. And, and I think that plays a big role in a sense of uh, how we ought to proclaim too, that we have a love of neighbor and their spiritual welfare is of our great concern. And we're there to impart to them the words of the gospel. And here's St. Paul. He's not just, he's not just the, a visitor, right? He's not just an acquaintance. He is close to them, right? What does 12 say? What is that first word right there in verse 12? He says what? Brothers. Brothers. What does that mean? Does he say um, friend or does he say acquaintance or mister or missus? What does he say? He says brothers. What, what does that simply mean? We're family. family We're family. family. Right. Uh, I mean, we see St. Paul's passion for the gospel, but also his love for his neighbor as he is imploring them. Oh, we read verse, uh, verse 12 real quick. Verse 12. I plead with you, brothers, become like me, for I became like you. You have done me no wrong. Okay. Become as I am. What is St. Paul saying here? Does he say, be like me because I'm so great? Is that what he's saying? <laughs> what is the I am of St. Paul? If you, could, if you could describe the I am of St. Paul, in other words, how do you define St. Paul as a whole? What is one word he, uh, that would... He converted. He converted from the worst of people to the exact opposite. So he's saying, I, I was like you at one time, but I changed. And you should, you can too, or should too. Okay, good, good. So that uh, become as I am. And this is St. Paul saying, remember what I have told you. It was never about me but all about Christ. I am because of what Christ is for me, right? Become as I am, identity, child of God, adoption, inheritance, I am, you are, because of Christ Jesus, right? This is St. Paul's message. Not anything of himself, but only preaching Christ and in him crucified, right? And, and this is the key right here. Right? That is the gospel in a nutshell. It's not like you win people for Christ. God is doing the work. You're just there. Right? And, you know, I, I think evangelism can become very legalistic for people. Like, how many people did you win over? Right? And no, no, you just continue to proclaim the Christ. You, begin, you, uh, you continue to be in your being, as Carrie always uh, reminds me of, about that being, right? Acts 17, live, move, and have my being in Christ. Right? And this is St. Paul in a nutshell. It's Jesus, right? Um, for I also have become as you are, right? So that I am is basically, who are you following? Are you I am the Judaizers? 
the law that saves, or are you following the I am, the true I am, Jesus Christ? And that's the two things. What is it? And at the end of the day, isn't that the only two things we see in this life, even now? Right? The law that saves and the gospel free gift that saves you. Those are the two, those are the two things in this world, even today. I mean, it's described in so many different ways, but at the end of the day, it's these two roads, right? Uh, and St. Paul is facing the same thing. Now, it says right there, um, for I also become as you are. Um, become as you are. This is St. Paul really showing his compassion. He is showing um, all that he did to be things for all people, right? To love and serve and live peaceably with all, to rejoice with those who rejoice, to weep with those who weep, right? Uh, to continue to be in their shoes as he continues uh, to be with them. Uh, you did me no wrong, right? Uh, there was nothing that uh, St. Paul or you know, there was nothing that they did to St. Paul because mysteriously, we still don't know to this day what his body ailment is, but if someone could read 13 to 15 for me, 13 to 15. Sure. As you know, it was because of an illness that I first preached the gospel to you. Even though my illness was a trial to you, you did not treat me with contempt or scorn. Instead, you welcomed me as if I were an angel of God, as if I were Christ Jesus himself. What has happened to all your joy? I can testify that if you, would, if you could have done so, you would have torn out your eyes and given them to me. Yeah, that's a good word right there, right? Um, so, so, and uh, we'll get there about tearing out the eyes. But it says, uh, you know, it was a bodily ailment. So there was some type of ailment. We're not quite sure what that ailment is, but uh, he was there um, in that ailment and he was there to preach the gospel to, uh, to them. Um, and though his condition was a trial to them, uh, they received him like a angel of God. Now, angel in the Greek means messenger, right? So they, they received him as a messenger of God. Uh, they received him with welcoming hands. They cared for him. They nurtured him. Uh, they didn't see anything as a trial or scorn or they didn't despise him, but they welcomed him as Christ, um, as a messenger of God, um, um, and I think this is, again, St. Paul is bringing this out because he sees that they are turning from him. He is bringing back the past and said, look what you've done for me. You loved me. You cared for me. Why, why, why is now there's a schism? Because now you're, now you're uh, believing in a false teaching. When, we, when, we, when one believes in false teaching and the other doesn't or believes in the truth, we know that when someone delves into false teaching, you know, that fellowship, in a sense, is broken, right? Because we're not believing in the same word anymore. I don't know if you know what I mean by that. But mm -hmm. uh, I think when it comes to, um, um, like, even for our churches, our, our, you know, uh, that one confession, that one faith, you know, it, it's that reality of that one confession that we have that fellowship, not just because we like the same football team or we like potlucks with casseroles and everything, which I do, I miss those. But anyways, but the point is, is that uh, our fellowship is united in the word of God. When that is broken, there is no, that's what true fellowship is. We see St. Paul saying, look, we, we've gotten, we, we were together. You received me. What has happened, right? What then has become, verse 15, of the blessing you felt? 
For I testify to you that if possible, you would have gouged out your eyes and given them to me. So what is, what is that present day idiom? I'm not good with idioms as you know, but what is the present day idiom of you would have gouged out your eyes and given them to me? Do you know the present day idiom of that? You would have given me the shirt off your back. That's right. That's right. It's a little less, a little less <laughs> severe than gouging out your eyes, but. <laughs> but the gouging out your eyes shows what? That this wasn't just acquaintances that he was dealing with, but these were people that welcomed him, that welcomed the message of Christ. That they would have, to the point, given everything to St. Paul for what he was giving to them. And in that, in that uh, uh, measure of, of, of uh, relationship, as we see right here, you see the concern that St. Paul has as all the history that they've had together, as they were converted by this very word, now they are turning away. Verse 16, and we'll stop here today. Verse 16 after that. Have I then become your enemy by telling you the truth? All right. And that is... You, you, you see St. Paul's... What is it? You see St. Paul's... Um, Frustration? Frustration. Frustration. Um, and it almost seems like he's being... Uh, what's the word? Even, ho you know, hostile, I guess. You know, just like his urgency is there, uh, you know, his hostility, his frustration is there. Uh, but what, what is really happening here? Um, when you turn from the truth, there you find the division. And that's why the truth is so important. You know, we're living in a world right now, guys, where brothers and sisters in Christ, <laughs> brothers and sisters in Christ, that, I mean, God has become such a cloudy, nebulous thing that the definition of God, the gospel, even the gospel itself, has become such a various understanding. And I think for us as a church, that is why we study. And not, that, not like this is a good segue, but um, that is why the what does this mean class that I'm starting tomorrow is so important. Because you might know it all, but as you review it and you reinforce the foundation that is before you in the Holy Scriptures, you very well know that is the truth that has set you free. And when you hear that word, there you very well know that you are not an enemy of the gospel, but rather you are saved by the gospel. And this is what unites all of us, uh, the word of God and, and his truth. And, you know, I think St. Paul right here, you see, you see his great angst. I don't know about you, but as a pastor, that's, that's, that's what makes us never sleep at night. Oh, don't, I don't want to scare you, but <laughs> I know sometimes I have bags in the morning when I do my devotions and um, I try to get those away. Um, but, uh, but that's what keeps me, that's what keeps us all pastors up at night. It's when, uh, it's when people, I think, uh, turn and, and disappear. Um, it's not about numbers. It's about spiritual wel welfare, and it's about their spiritual life. It, we, you know, it's not about numbers. It's, it's, it's about 
their spiritual welfare. And um, I think it's, it's so important because as St. Paul says right here, um, it's, it's a great difficulty for him as he sees these things happening. Now, once friends, now rivals, right? Uh, enemies. Have well, I become I an a, enemy to you, right? I got a, foot, I got a footnote here that says, uh, people get angry when they're scolded. So he's obviously scolding the Galatians. Hostility. Yeah. Remember, these times are really tough. The Galatians, your sermon tonight was the order of God. And, oh no, here we go. Well, I know, but all the Ten <laughs> Commandments, these guys were actually thought they were saved by the law. And and they started slipping back and he's scolding them because he, he showed them the truth. And now they're slipping back again. And when these Galatians are being scolded again, they're getting angry. And that's why Paul's looking at him going, Wow, you're looking at me like an enemy. Yeah, yeah. See, don't you see it? It's like when you know the word of God, remember that quote I gave you from Luther. When you know the word of God, you know that your conscience, as a, you know, even as a church, our, our root is in the word of God. When we divert our way from the word, we're done. We're done, right? We're, we can call ourselves whatever we want, but when we're divide, diverting ourselves from the truth of God's scripture, we're done. We're done. Because if there is not, if there is false, there is no, there is no word at all, and it's over. Right. So that's why I think when we talk about uh, understanding the Bible and studying the Bible, I want everyone who comes to Faith Lutheran Church in Moore Park, California, to understand why they're here. If they don't understand why they're here, then we have not done a good job of teaching them. Because at the end of the day, if you're not rooted, what does St. Paul or what does Luther say? He says, quickly, you will be seduced and overthrown quickly and easily by the ways of the world or by an itching ear teaching that soothes your, or placates or appeases your own opinion that you want to hear, rather than what the word of God says, you will go. I want to go there because, you know, they're more, um, I don't know, they're more, uh, they're more, um, you know, it's more easy on the ears. They say what they, uh, they hear what I want to hear rather than what God says. And, and this is, I think St. Paul saying, this is what I've told you. And you're turning. Rooted in the word, so important. So important. That's why we offer so many ways to hear the word every single day, almost. <laughs> almost. But anyways, uh, anyways, that's where we'll stop. That's where we will stop. Um, very good. Uh, why don't we close today uh, with, uh, with a word of prayer. Dear God, thank you, O Lord, uh, for, for turning us. Uh, the call of repentance and forgiveness, Lord, bless us as we, our faith is in your work. Gracious Lord, by your merciful promise, you have made yourself known to us through your Son. Bless us, O Lord, this night. Comfort us in the gospel. And Lord, as we close our eyes this night, may we close them in your peace. Bless us this night. Grant us safety throughout this night. And Lord, through all things, uh, may we always rest in the refuge of your eternal promises. Lord, this night we just pray for, uh, for Kurt Brighton. Bless him, lead him, protect him. Um, grant him your safety this day, and Lord willing, in your time, uh, grant him a full recovery. Lord, let your will be done, and may we entrust our burdens to you. Lord, for all of these things we are thankful. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.